You're listening to the serial podcast production of Hidden Things, written and read by Doyce Testerman. This is episode 26, brought to you by Tim, the audio hatchet man, White. The blood looked worse than it was. Whoever had stitched up Calliope's shoulder, Vicus, spooky clown of many talents, most likely, had done a good job. Two or three stitches had been pulled hard, but none had torn loose. Calliope took a long, much-needed shower, and her mother found her something to wear while her clothes washed. An hour later, Calliope was back in the kitchen in a pair of sweatpants and a flannel shirt, eating her first real meal in two days. Where's Dad? In town, working on tax stuff. He'll be home late. Her mother folded clothes as they talked. Early afternoon light shone through the west-facing windows. Calliope frowned. It's not even January. This is still from last year. She paused. Or the year before last, maybe. Calliope made a face. I don't know how you do it. This. Oh, neither do I most of the time. Her mother's voice was light, but Calliope could hear the strain. We'll have to retire when we're 55 so we have time to get jobs that pay. Phyllis glanced at Calliope and pulled another article of clothing out of the basket. The sheriff said that a federal agent was asking if you'd been in the area. He wasn't sure if the police were hunting for you or just trying to get in touch. The police are not hunting me, Mom. Calliope hoped she was at least telling the literal truth. But they don't know where you are. No. They don't know you're doing this. Officially? Calliope took another spoonful of thick soup. No, but they didn't say not to. Her mother sighed. Calliope glanced at her sidelong. What did you tell the sheriff? I told him the truth. She turned to Calliope. I told him I didn't know where you were, what you were up to, who you were with, or how to get hold of you, which he already knew and has known for years. Calliope searched her mother's face. I'm sorry. Please don't apologize. I'm the one who got you in the shoulder. No, Calliope said, reaching out to lay her hand on her mother's arm, making her stop folding clothes for a second. I'm sorry. About everything. The apology hung in the air between the two women. Phyllis's face fell into an expression Calliope couldn't read. After a few seconds, she shook herself like someone casting off a daydream and moved aside the folded laundry. So, she said, you came looking for your boy. My partner. Your partner? Phyllis rotated her coffee cup on the table in a way that reminded Calliope of Vicus. Someone you knew well enough to drive across the country for? Yeah, Calliope cut in. It's complicated, Mom. We've known each other a long time. He dropped out of the band we were in and decided to do something with his degree. I wanted to... She shook her head. He offered me a job, and I decided to get into the new business with him. She sat back in the chair, rubbing at her hairline. It's complicated. You were in a band? Flyppy winced internally. We could never get a record deal, she explained, unasked. I sang, and it was really good in the clubs when we were live, but our demo tapes could never... You were never happy with them, came Joshua's voice from a dream or her own memory or both. You got nervous whenever things looked like they were becoming real, just like with us. She grimaced. They never came out right. Her mother set her cup down on the table. 
That sounds like it would have been good for you, she said. Better than playing detective, certainly. Calliope blinked. What? Phyllis looked at her, her eyes showing some surprise. Well, you always loved singing, and you were so good. You told me it was a pointless waste of time. Never told me that, she finished, looking away. You made music sound like a very bad idea. I never said any such thing, her mother looked affronted. Calliope leaned forward as though to make sure the words made it clearly across the table. I was fifteen. It was June. It was a Saturday. I told you I wanted to sing. I told you I wanted to be a star. Her mother frowned. Honey, I don't remember you saying that. I... Not specifically, she continued. I remember the sentiment well enough. And that summer. Do you remember that summer? Calliope nodded. It was hot. Phyllis stared at her. It was hot. Yes. She took a drink of her coffee. It was the worst drought in 20 years. Nothing was growing. Your father didn't know how we were going to make our loan payments. Your grandfather had died three months before. I think, she looked into the middle distance, I imagine I was worried you might end up in some crazy situation with no stability, like what we were going through. If I said something that bad, well, I'm sorry. I am. I don't see why you'd never tell us about... She shook her head. You've always been so secretive. Calliope opened her mouth to speak. Twice, before she could get the words to come. I'm sorry, but I seem to remember something about Dad having cancer. Oh, her mother waved her hand as though to sweep the words away. That was just your sister blowing things out of proportion. It was a couple of lumps in the back of his neck. They cut him right out. We would have called you if it had been important. He wears sunscreen now, and... She trailed off, watching Calliope's expression. I suppose I shouldn't be calling the kettle black. Calliope shook her head, the corners of her mouth twitching. Phyllis returned her wry smile. Maybe we could catch each other up. I'm sorry, Calliope said. I really wanted to see Dad. Afternoon light slanted through the windows, and Calliope's throat had the pleasant ache that came from a lot of talking but she turned the conversation away from the uncomfortable topics or stepped around the landmines of old arguments more than a few times, and it was wearing her down. Also, she was becoming increasingly conscious of the time. Oh, please. Her mother smiled without showing teeth. It looked more like a pained grimace. I ought to be the one apologizing. Her expression took on that same distant daydreaming look she'd had earlier in the day. When you... There was a knock on the door. Her mother's eyes snapped back to the present. She looked at Calliope, the corners of her eyes tense. Calliope's brow creased, and a surreal sense of danger sparked in her chest. Mom? Phyllis shook her head and stood up. Better get that. Calliope sat alone at the table for a few moments, bemused, then pushed herself out of her chair with her good arm and moved after the older woman. I'd be happy to just stay and wait for him to get home, she said, her voice raised just enough to carry. But I should get going. Maybe you could hold off on that, replied a man's voice. Phyllis stood next to the open door, her arms crossed. She had stepped back and to the side to reveal her visitor, but Calliope had already caught sight of the broad, flat-brimmed hat over her mother's head. The man in the doorway rested his hands on his hips, 
making it look as though he was simply stretching after sitting in a car for too long, not imposing his size on the two women or putting his hand closer to the firearm hanging from his belt. Hello, Callie. Haven't seen you in a coon's age. Hello, Jim. Calliope tilted her head, letting a hint of sarcasm creep into her voice to mask her nervous concern. Or is it, hello, Sheriff, today? Oh. Jim Fletcher shifted and looked away from both women and out over the dry and rustling cornfields surrounding the farmstead. His breath puffed in the cold air. I suppose Sheriff is the right idea, at least for a little while. Hmm. Calliope folded her arms, unconsciously mimicking her mother's stance. You want to come in, or should I get my coat? Oh, her mother admonished her. Callie, you don't have to be. How about we go for a drive? Fletcher interrupted, with an apologetic nod to Phyllis. No reason for me to track mud into your mom's house. Jim, Phyllis breathed. Right. Calliope hadn't moved, and her face was impassive but the adrenaline wash at the local lawman's words made her breathing short and tight and left her hands tingling. Am I under arrest, Sheriff? Ah. Uh, the older man spoke the word as though it hurt. His face sagged. Do you think you need to be? Calliope pursed her lips and tried to remember that the sheriff was a friend of her family's, someone who'd let her off the hook on two tickets when she'd been learning to drive and find her three other times when she'd had no good excuse and should have known better. I really don't, she said, turning toward the kitchen. But I'll go for a drive, if you like. He nodded after her. That sounds about right. I just want to get things straightened out, he added, to Phyllis. She hasn't. It's fine, Mom. Calliope pulled her coat off the back of the kitchen chair and returned to the room with it hanging over her bad arm, which conveniently gave her an excuse not to use it. She walked over to the door. I'm assuming your car's warm enough I don't need to put this on. Sure, sure. The older man made room for Calliope to pass, holding the door as he did. Jim. It's fine, Mom, Calliope repeated. She stepped through the door and started down the steps, her eyes taking in the open yard and the tracks of the car her sister had left in. She stopped, remembering the look Sandy and her mother had exchanged just before the younger woman had left. You should probably call Sandy and tell her you stalled me long enough. Her mother said nothing at all as Calliope walked the rest of the way to the sheriff's vehicle. As the sheriff's SUV pulled out of the driveway and headed down the gravel road that led to the highway back into town, Calliope watched the cornfield on Jim Fletcher's side of the vehicle. Don't come after me, she thought. Just let me work this out before you show up and eat the local police department. She didn't expect that anyone out in the field might have heard her, but that wasn't the point. Her thoughts were more of a prayer than a message. Something on your mind, Callie? The sheriff had his eyes on the road, but he could obviously see the direction of her gaze out of the corner of his eye and thought she was looking at him. Not much, Calliope said, sitting back and turning her attention forward. I think we probably could have straightened things out back at the house, but it means a couple of calls back to L.A., and I'd rather the long-distance fees got charged to you. Fletcher chuckled. Well, thank you for not sugarcoating it for me. I do what I can. Calliope allowed herself a small smirk. Although he was taking her into his office, the sheriff hadn't put her in the backseat cage. In fact, he'd opened the front passenger door for her, even though she'd stood next to the rear door. 
From where she sat, she could reach him, his gun, a vertical rack-mounted shotgun, and the steering wheel. Either he didn't think that Calliope was really any kind of danger, or he was pulling off the mother of all con jobs to get her guard down as far as possible. That last was a sobering thought. The only reason the sheriff would have to play that sort of game would be if he were bringing her to Walker. And the supposed special agent had shown up unexpectedly so many times that Calliope couldn't bring herself to rule out the possibility. She glanced at Jim Fletcher, and her misgivings faded. The older man had stoic and unreadable down to some kind of martial art. She imagined he would be a terrifying poker player. But she didn't think he was a very good liar. It was a subtle distinction, but one that mattered a lot to her. And it didn't feel wrong. Think your mom's going to beat us into town at this rate, Fletcher said, interrupting her thoughts. Calliope looked in the rearview mirror on her side of the vehicle and saw her parents' pickup closing the gap behind them. Guess she thinks I'm not going to give you a ride home afterward. Are you? Calliope turned to look at the sheriff. Because if you already know what you're going to do, I'm not sure why we're driving into town. Oh, that familiar pained expression crossed the older man's face again. I guess I don't know. It's a little complicated. Sounds like you've got a lot of badges being shoved in your face. She tried to keep her voice neutral. That's usually what complicates things for me. Just the one, the sheriff replied, his voice tinged with just a hint of disapproval. Calliope filed that away for later. One's enough sometimes. Sure, Calliope said, pronouncing it sure. She could hear the verbal ticks and phrases of her youth creep back into her voice with almost every sentence she spoke, as though her mouth was dropping into its old habits with some kind of relief. We'll get her all fixed up in town. Hmm. Fletcher's eyes went to his own rear view, and Calliope caught the faintest of twitches at the corner of his mouth and eye. Think your mom'd be too happy if I pulled her over for speeding? Calliope raised her eyebrows. You're the one with the gun, Jim. She blew air through her teeth. But I'm not sure that'd be such a hot idea. You're pry right, he said, holding his poker face. Don't need that kind of trouble today. Good, Calliope replied. She let a few more miles scroll by in silence then. That badge flasher you mentioned. Fletcher didn't obviously react, but the air around him seemed to go still. Yeah, is he still around? Thanks for listening to this episode of the Hidden Things Audiobook Podcast. This DRM-free production was made possible by the Hidden Things Audiobook Kickstarter backers and is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivative Works 3.0 license. As always, watch out for the Hidden Things. Hidden Things